Boston Sports Syndicate. Hey everyone and welcome back to the Boston Sports Syndicate Red Sox podcast to be named later. This is the Red Sox podcast dedicated solely to the Boston Red Sox and Major League Baseball. And oh boy, is there a lot going on in Major League Baseball right now. So we are here to talk about all of it. Once again, I am Bill Travers. Thank you for joining us. Joining me, of course, is the great Blogino himself, Chris Henrik. Chris, how's it going? Guys, I'm good. How are we doing tonight, gentlemen? Doing good. Doing good. And, of course, the number three man in our trio here is Matty Kiwum. Matt, how are you doing tonight? Doing pretty good. There's a lot of exciting things going on in the world, both personally and in baseball, so I'm very excited to uh, get on the mic and talk a little baseball with you boys. Didn't know if you wanted to mention the personal stuff, but uh, that's up to you. Sure. I'll, I'll let you, if you want to talk about it, I know you have some exciting news. Yeah, so my wife and I are having twins, uh, and they're coming Thursday. We're recording Monday night, so this week they'll be here. So if a Red Sox podcast comes out and you don't hear my voice, I will be, you know, hopefully nursing some beautiful, healthy girls, uh, you know, through the early months of, of newborn. So, you know, that's where I'll be, and, I, I, you know, I'm very excited. And uh, I also, uh, I don't know, it's, it's pretty crazy. Bill, you know what I'm talking about. It's pretty crazy. Uh, not at that level, I do not. No, my my two were uh, a little over four years apart, and you're going to have three of them. Uh, yes. All, all under, or two or just under two, so. My wife and I, we wanted 202. Didn't know that we were having a cosmic buy one, get one free sale that day. <laughs> Always looking for a bargain. Well, we, we yeah. I'm sure everyone will join me in wishing both you and your wife the best. I hope everything goes well, and you have a happy and, and healthy family for many, many, many years to come. I really appreciate that, Bill. Thank you so much. Alrighty then. So why don't we get to what's going on in baseball right now? So who wants to recap the whole situation? Um, I'm assuming anyone listening to this podcast is a fan of baseball and probably knows what's going on with the whole thing of accusations of pitchers doctoring the baseballs to get better grips on the ball for control and for spin rate. But do one of you guys want to take a stab at just running down the whole scenario league-wide right now? Chris, if you want to take it, you can. But if not, I don't mind taking it. Why don't you go ahead, Matt? That way I'll piggyback. Okay. So a few weeks ago, this is how I recall the, the things kind of playing out was – you know, it all started in St. Louis, Giovanni Gallardos. He got uh, was told there was a substance on his hat, and uh, he was eventually ejected for said substance on the hat. Uh, you know, his manager made a huge stink, had a nine-minute rant about players using it and using very vague terms, uh, you know, about his own team and, you know, players he had talked to. But that kind of spinned into uh, a little bit bigger mess where – Players were told a 10-game suspension was possible if caught with a certain substance. Um, Big-name pitchers uh, have seen some decreases in spin rates over, you know, those these last couple of weeks. And um, it seems like baseball could be in midst of another scandal. Uh, SI had an article that came out mentioning that this is the pitcher form of steroids. Um, I think personally that the pitchers using steroids back in the steroid era is the pitching version of steroids, but that's my personal take. But here we are today. It seems like uh, some pitchers are under the microscope and some teams are under the microscope. And um, we'll see. I guess the MLB is finalizing some memo 
which is so goofy. Of course, MLB has a finalizing the memo news break. But, yeah, that's where we kind of are right now. So this has been going on in baseball for who knows how long. The pitchers have been – I mean, the pitchers use pine tar to get better right. grip. So, and, and the hitters for the longest time have gone along with it with the thought that, well, these guys are hucking it up there 90, 95, 100 miles an hour. We want them to have control and be able to control the baseball. But it seems that in the past year or so, things have ramped up quite a bit, and now these pitchers are, whatever they're doing to the ball, they're making themselves unhittable, either through the increased spin rate or, or whatever it is. So mm-hmm. it, it's gotten to that level where now the hitters are starting to rebel against it. Yeah, and many many are speculating, and I tend to kind of side here – uh, this kind of really came to a, a forefront in 2019. You know, you had pitchers like Noah Syndergaard talking about how it was like throwing ice balls out there. So, you know, they seemed to increase the amount of sticky substance. You know, rumors swirled that teams actually hired essentially chemists to come up with some sort of substance that would be not detectable and useful. Uh, and now that they've, you know, raised the seams of these baseballs, it's coming. It's just become insane. You know, there's zero drop on fastballs that hitters are used to. Charlie Blackman had, uh, you know, something pretty critical to say because he said, I've played my whole life looking for a fastball to do a certain thing, and just it's not right now. So it's getting crazy. But they've always had something. Remember years and years ago when Clay Buckholz was having a really good season, there was allegations of him using bullfrog sunscreen, putting mm-hmm. it on, on his elbow, and then putting pine tar on it. And mm-hmm. then just just touching his his arms, not on his elbow, on his forearm, and then touching that through the game to improve his grip. I remember, you know, he got off to like an eight and zero, nine and zero start that year, and he was he was just pitching phenomenally. And yeah. then rumors swirled about that, and suddenly he had a bit of a drop off after that. Right. I mean, it's 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 been it feels like it's been in baseball. It was the, it was a major punchline in the movie Major Leagues. You know what I mean? The the guy going through his smorgasbord of different potions. Uh, all over them, you know, so there has been some substance out there, and it seems like pitchers and hitters had an understanding. Um, I don't know if they've gone too far. Who knows? The, the, the statistics show that they have. Chris, what are your thoughts? I mean, it's – you said it at the beginning. You know, this has been going on in baseball for a really long time. Does it make it right? No. Um I don't really look at this as the pitcher's version of steroids, and I know that a lot of people have said that, and I'm kind of with you, Matt. I think that pitchers doing steroids is their version of doing steroids. Um, but I think for a long time, similar to – Major League Baseball turned you know, their back on the steroid thing until they had to get involved in it. They've clearly turned their back on this substance piece. I mean, yeah, they had some things that were – that are considered banned, but it's been well known that pitchers do this throughout the league. So if the, if the, if major league baseball really wanted to go and put a clamp on it, they would have done that a long time ago. I think what the problem is, is that to your point, people have kind of taken a little too far. Think about it. Last year, the majority of players had how many months off sitting at home thinking of what ways could I go and possibly try to go and doctor maybe a baseball to get a better grip on it, you know, and, in whatever they can use for a substance or whatever. Um, I guess I'm not like 
overly angry about it. You know what I mean? Because I think it's it's just been something that's been part of the game. But yeah, the game is changing, and they need to kind of clean this up. So, I, you know, I don't know. I think that the league needs to come out with something to say, hey, this is what we're going to do moving forward. I don't think anybody right now should be punished. If they come out and start punishing players and managers and GMs and teams, I just think that's foolish. I don't think you're, that we're at that point yet. I think you go out, you, you lay down the precedent of this is what the rules are going to be, and if we catch players, this is what's going to happen. And then you move from there, and you let teams decide if they're going to continue to go and, and you know do what they're going to do with the baseball. But I don't know. I'm not like um, – I don't know. I, I'm not – I'm kind of like wishy-washy on it a little bit until, and we'll go into a little bit later on, until I start hearing people using this as the reason why certain teams and players are doing well versus not doing well. But I don't know. Yeah, I agree. I think it is dangerous to label particular pitchers as the bad guys here because we don't know who's exactly doing it. I mean, we don't really have a, a you know, a, a scapegoat here. There's no, it's not fair to make anyone that quite yet. Um, I think well, over I time, think, there will yeah, be some, just like Sammy Sosa and Mark McGuire got it. Garrett Cole didn't really do a good job in trying to make himself not the scapegoat during that press conference the other night. Oh, certainly, yeah. He That was a horrific uh, You would think that conference. someone in the Yankees organization who is part of, like, public relations was going to say, hey, by the way, guys, you're going to get asked about this, and this is how you're going to answer it. And instead, he just was like, like, he had, like, he was just he like just, saying random words. It, it was almost like he right. was having a stroke. Exactly. You know, another fail for the Yankees this season. They're failing on the field, and they can't even get it right when they're doing a press conference. So, you know, so, yeah, I think Garrett Cole kind of put his face at the forefront of this just because of that that press conference. But hasn't Trevor Bauer been saying this for the last little bit? No one wanted to hear it because Trevor Bauer's perceived this radical guy that is going against the grain. Well. I think Trevor, to a, you know, said, okay, if this is what's going to happen, he went on one of Cy Young probably doing it last year. Yeah, dude, I'm so happy you brought that up because I think it's so funny that this truly stems from a college beef between Trevor Bauer and Garrett Cole. They were both ace co-aces for the UCLA Bruins, uh, and they hated each other. And when Cole went to Houston, he blatantly called him a cheater called him out for using substance, and mentioned that, okay, I will show everybody how important this stuff can be to my pitches. Uh, Eno Saris, you know, of The Athletic, he wrote an article about it way back then, and here we go today. It's like fast forward. He's just kind of went nan poo poo and here they are both combined making, you know, half a billion dollars. I think they would find it worth it that they used spider tack or whatever type of magic potion that they could have got their hands on. This you know, whole thing such a crazy, like, slippery slope, too, because, like, you know, where I kind of just sit a little while ago, I'm kind of, like, wishy-washy on it. Think about, like, say I'm a fringe major league starter. I'm a number five starter at best in the league, and all of a sudden now, like, I can go and throw a little bit of junk in my hands, and I can get a better grip, and now I go from being a number five guy who's going to be a free agent that wins – 10 or 12 games goes 12 and seven with a three, five ERA. I'm going to make $30 million. Like I'm going to, you know what I mean? Like these guys are going to get contracts. They'll probably never see. So, you know, it, it's, it's one of those where it's like, 
I just baseball did this to themselves. They allowed this to happen. They allowed this to continue. You can go and say the Yankees, the Sox, the White Sox, the Blue Jays, everybody's doing it, but the league allowed it to happen. It's not like they can just go and say we had no idea. They knew steroids was going on. They knew. I'm sure they knew back when Pete Rose was playing that he was doing the stuff with the gambling before all that crap came out. Like the league knows this stuff's going on, but yet. Now they have to go and draw a line in the sand because it's now at the forefront. No, it's 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 honestly, you know, you look back through the years of the MLB, commissioners have changed. I'm sure, you know, their teams have changed, employees have changed in the front offices, and the pattern's the same. They allow it a little mm-hmm. bit, they allow it a, a little bit more, they allow it a little bit more, and eventually it gets out of control. Same thing with steroids. It was okay for everyone to use it a little bit. But then you had guys like Mark McGuire looking like a bodybuilder. He looked like he should have been opposing Predator in a you know blockbuster film, leaving you know his bottle of steroids right there for the media to see. It became so insane that they had to do something about it. So you're right, Chris. It is a perpetual kind of pattern that the MLB as a whole continues to find themselves in. So do you guys think that maybe since they brought in Theo Epstein, that regardless of the fact that this has come out and it was – we talked about the Bauer and the Cole piece, but do you think that part of with Theo coming in, you know, and being, you know, a consultant or whatever his role is in the commissioner's office and a way to help kind of move the game forward to go and say, Hey, yeah, the shift's a problem. Oh, but by the way, this is also another problem and we need to get our hands around it so we can move the game forward. Do you think like that's part of why Theo is also in the, in the commissioner's office? I think Theo's tasked with looking at whatever they can do to make the game better. And and you said baseball ignored this, but now it's gotten to the point where it's a detriment to the game on the field. Because at least when you when the steroid era was going on and guys were hitting home runs left and right, that was exciting and fun to watch. The product that you have now is not fun to watch. So if people are going to be tuning out because guys are striking out so much, they're going to lose ratings, they're going to lose money. This This is a sport that cannot afford that right now uh it's it's got an aging demographic and they need to entice the the younger viewers the people who actually buy stuff that that's what this sport needs so i i think any of that is still on the table uh as far as what theo's looking at to improve the game but this specifically is is hurting the game so much that baseball has to do something about it it can't ignore it like it has with other things in the past I completely agree with you. I, you know, I, I think, and you, you just mentioned it briefly, Bill. I, I think Theo's role to come in was to get younger eyes and to kind of popularize baseball again through, you know, getting kids younger to be into it. Uh, but because it has been such a bad thing for baseball, like he has to, he has to do something about it now. But again, it's just they let it get too out of control. When you're hearing these rumors, and these are by very credible sources, not directly to me, but, you know, their sources of major beat writers out there saying that there are whispers of actual people on staff who their only job is to conjure up some sort of substance that the umpire won't see, but it'll give them a certain amount of spin. And they're using slow motion cameras to perfect it. It's crazy. Once it gets that far, no matter who's in there, they have to do something about it. And when you have the entire league thinking they can make more money by swinging up at the ball and hitting everything out of the bar. Well, when the ball doesn't come down and your bat is just a complete uppercut, it's going to lead to more and more swings and misses, and you're seeing that in today's game. So, yeah, Theo, I'm happy he's there because 
I have confidence in him, and he's going to have not only a huge undertaking in getting younger eyes on the game, but he's got to clean up things like this because, you're right, Bill, it makes baseball not as much fun to watch. Do you think baseball not only has let this happen, it also created it by all the analytics looking at the at spin rate and, and with all the technology they have around the fields that, that can actually measure the spin rate and and seeing what the effect of it is that now it's become a monster onto itself. And it's just, I mean, we've seen it with some of these guys the Red Sox picked up last year, some of the flotsam and jetsam that they brought in for pitching, but we'd hear things like, well, he's got a good spin rate. We heard it with Martin Perez. Well, he's got a good spin rate. His spin rate is, is high compared to this or that. I think some of that has, has fed this, that baseball has not only just ignored it, they've created the problem. No question. And baseball just continues to become a caricature of itself. It just it eats itself from the inside in many ways. And analytics is no different. You know, getting it used to it was important to find guys with high spin rates. That's a good thing to use as a metric. But when you make it such an important thing, guys without those good spin rates are going to cheat to make those spin rates better. That's like where they had to have really stepped in and not let these analytic teams make it so important because, yeah, Martin Perez had a good spin rate on his on his cutter. He still does. It's an outlier type pitch for most pitchers out there. But it doesn't make him a world beater. You know, Garrett Cole all of a sudden ramps up a couple extra hundred RPMs on his fastball, and he becomes a $300 million pitcher when, you know, in, in Pittsburgh he was like a fringe two or three it felt like. Uh, so yeah, it's just it, it, you're right. It just, when, when you make such an emphasis on these type of things, it just becomes too too much. Shifts, analytics themselves, front offices, the way they're structured, all of this is just allowing it to go too far and not looking at the importance of the game of baseball. Chris, you on board with that? Yeah, I you know I I don't really have a, like a major problem with analytics in general um, for the game because I mean. Again, as things evolve, you need to figure out other ways that you can try to help your team win. And I mean it from the respect of how you can be defensively and, you know, what players are you kind of fit what you're trying to do, I guess, or whatever. But I don't know. I, I just I still kind of go back to the whole piece of I just think that Major League Baseball you, you just put themselves in the spot and, you know, they need to clean it up. I think that they're going to go and put something out there, but I I just really hope that they don't go and start, you know, banging players left and right, you know, in like a week or so. And because I just that's not going to make matters, you know, any better for the game either. You know, you guys have mentioned Garrett Cole a couple of times and how all of a sudden he improved his spin rate about the time he went to Houston, wasn't it? When he was traded from Pittsburgh to Houston. It was like, right. Yeah, it was almost exactly when he went to Houston. Didn't Charlie Morton have a similar uptick in his performance when he was traded to Houston? Didn't Justin Verlander have a similar uptick in his performance when he was traded to Houston? So what you're saying is Houston, we have a problem. I, I wasn't going to say that because it's so freaking cliched at this point. But, no, that's that's kind of where I was going with it, yeah. Uh, just how dirty is this franchise? See, I can't go to or bat Or are they just stupid them. enough to get caught? I, no, I, 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 it's a, I'm not going to go to bat for them because you can't – defend the indefensible but they have a little bit of that belichick thing where they will push the limits on what's quote unquote legal until it becomes a blurred line 
So they have a lot of that. And But the Charlie Morton uptick was Velo-related, and Justin Verlander's was theoretically health-related. Uh, Garrett Coles was the more specific case where the RPMs spiked. All right, I'll buy that. Thank you for educating me on that, Matt. But no, I, I'm not going to bat for Houston because the trash can is is it's real. And the, they if they didn't do it with all three, they still did it with one. They might have done it with guys like Wade Miley in his stop in Houston. They might have done it with a guy like Charlie Morton. I don't know, but I know what at the time the narrative was Charlie Morton's velo ticked up, uh, back up to you know to high 90s, where you know it was kind of flat a few years before that. So I don't know if it's I don't know if they're all goop guys, but I mean it definitely seems like Cole is one. So, like, Charlie Morton, though, to kind of, you know, piggyback to that really quick, he, I want to say it was around the time, remember when the Pirates, when they were somewhat decent for, like, a cup of coffee a few years back, and they had um, Liriano, they, like, traded for him or something down, like, the playoff stretch. That was, like, the last time that, before Charlie Morton became what he is right now, was pitching well, and he credited a lot of it to that Pirates organization and really kind of helping him kind of change the way and his philosophy. And he kind of mirrored the way that he, his game, the way he was pitching to Roy Halladay. Looking at just now his stats, in 2016, he went to the Phillies, pitched four games, ended up missing the rest of the year. But went to Houston, he made 55 starts with the, with the Astros. He went 29 and 10. His ERA... 362, then 313. Then he went to Tampa Bay, though, and he went 16-6 and six and kept that going. Obviously, you have the pandemic here last year, went 2-2, two and two, but he was also hurt a little bit. He had that arm issue towards the end of the season. He's 5-3 and three this year with the, with the Braves. So I don't necessarily know if, from a pitching standpoint, if that maybe holds a lot of water with Houston. You know, Verlander, he was having a decent year when he was traded with the Tigers and went to the Astros. He was coming off, you know, being hurt, you know. I don't know. I, I think it's something to look at. I, it, you make a good point, Bill. I actually didn't think of it that way, but it might be something to look at after this. But I, I don't know. I think in Morton's case, it was one of those where I think he just changed his style of pitching to Halliday, and it kind of benefited him, the delivery and everything else. It's a lot of angle and all that. You know, and that could – that could be exactly what the case is, but I think once an organization has that label on them, like the Patriots do, it's hard to mm-hmm. shake it. And when these things come up, you just naturally go to that suspect. Oh, they're cheating again. So it's it's hard to break out of that mold once once you've got that moniker put on you. But yep. let's transition this to the Red Sox and how this has affected them. This all seems to have correlated with a downtick in the Red Sox Starting pitching performance, I think, more so than the bullpen. The starters have been just horrendous over, I'd say, back to, uh, was that right after Memorial Day uh, when they went to Houston and started a four-game series there with the Astros and got smoked in the first three games. And then it continued on when the Astros came to Fenway at the start of last week and into the weekend series with the Blue Jays, which is still ongoing as we speak. But they just got absolutely hammered over the weekend leading to a lot of speculation that huh, maybe the Red Sox pitchers were doing it too. And now that Major League Baseball is looking closely at it and, and they stopped using it, now they're getting lit up. So what was happening before that? 
Chris, I know you have a lot of thoughts on this issue, so I'm going to go to you first on this one. In the last nine games, the Red Sox have pitched 40 innings. In those 40 innings, they've given up 39 earned runs. That's just the starting pitching alone. It's really easy to go and try to say, hey, you know what? Maybe they're not using the sticky substance, the spider tack or pine tar or bullfrog or whatever it is that people want to say and use that as like the narrative as to why the Red Sox, all of a sudden, their starters suck. I think until someone identifies and says that the Boston Red Sox are specifically doing these things, I think that one is, is not a good, I think it's a lazy narrative, personally. But typical fashion of what Boston does in the media and some fans is they're now using that as the reason why the Boston Red Sox starting pitching has been abysmal. Listening to sports radio, seeing things in social media, Fans are latching on to it and now using it as saying, see, the Red Sox suck, the Hein Bloom and the pick and all this other stuff. Tell me one one starter on the Boston Red Sox, right? Are any one of those guys having a career year right now for this team? A career year? Nick Pavetta. Are any one of those Okay. Just Pavetta. You said is, one. Is, okay, so Nick Pavetta. Garrett Richards started this year and he was a dumpster fire in his first two starts, turned it around, went on a run for about five or six starts, and now the last couple of he's been in, in the tank. Not having a career year either way. He's not dominant. His whip is, is Matt, I think, well, in the one four, one fives in that category. So Yeah, I could probably I could look it up. I don't know by the top of my head, but I could look it up. So like so Richards is not having a dominant year. So if we're gonna go and say that look, Garrett Richards is pitching well because he's using spider attack, he's having a great year. Well he's really not having a great year. He's having a he's having an okay year. Martin Perez was in the top ten at one point up until the last two starts for ERA, but did we really think that Martin Perez, whether he's using stuff or not, isn't gonna be in the finish in the top ten for ERA? No, he's a number five starter that's gonna come back down to earth. Point I'm trying to make is that there is going to be times where guys are going to go and go on a run and they're going to have a good little stretch of time where they're going to pitch really well, where they're going to hit well, and then there's going to be times that they're going to suck. What just really, really like infuriates me is that because in this last nine games that the starting pitching is having a difficult stretch, is that now we're going to label it and say this is why the Boston Red Sox are not no longer going to have a baseball season. It almost sounds like that we have just decided as as a group of fans that the season is over. They haven't been accused of anything yet. And all of a sudden now the season is over. What do people think the Red Sox are going to do? Alex Cora, of course, is going to say his team isn't doing anything. And I know it's hard because he's been accused and he was suspended because of his time with Houston. But do we really, truly, truly think that Alex Cora is going to come back after being suspended for a year? And then go and start to do shenanigans to the point that he could get investigated and suspended and potentially banned from baseball again. If he if he is, he's a he's a moron and deserves to be banished. It's not going to happen. It's just like it's wild to me. Like I, I see on Twitter over and under of how many Red Sox players are going to get banged for this. And like, just stop for just stop for a second. No one's been accused of anything. The team is just not pitching well right now. Evaldi's pitching pretty good tonight. Now we're going to all of a sudden say, well, he's got crap on his hands or on his elbow or on his forearm. It's just, it's infuriating. 
it, it, it's just it's it's now a way for that select group of fans and that select group of media to go and say, see, look, I was right. They're not that good. When we just can't give this team the benefit of the doubt and let them go on a, a run, good or bad. I'm, I'm going to play devil's advocate. <laughs> I'm ready. You, you said that you don't think that anybody's been dominant. You don't necessarily have to be dominant. It can make you just that much better that now you've got that little bit of extra control and you can hit the corners or, or you can increase your spin rate just enough to make you a serviceable pitcher or even a slightly better than average major league pitcher. You don't necessarily have to be dominant. And the other point you made was everybody's going to run into bad spots now and then. Every starting pitcher on this team has not had a quality start, which they were just racking up the quality starts left and right, or at least pitching through the fifth into the sixth, and then suddenly they can't get out of the third and fourth innings. You don't think that's a little bit of a coincidence that that happened all at once, that every single pitcher ran into this roadblock? I know the Red Sox are, are making accusations like, well, we just hit the 60-game mark, and that's all we played last year, so it's a little bit of fatigue. Well, if that were the case, then other teams would be experiencing this too, and we're not seeing that. So I think it's somewhat fair game to at least ask the question, not jump to the point of, yeah, this team sucks and they weren't that good. But I think it's fair to ask the question, could something be going on here? I know. I, I think that it's fair to ask the question. I'm fine with asking the question. I'm fine with that piece because that's the right thing to do. What I'm not okay with is when the narrative has to be as if they've already they've been accused of cheating, they've been cheating, and that's why this is happening. We don't know this is why it's happening. But Look, once again, once you have that reputation, it's hard to shake. Cora's got that reputation now. He's going to carry that for the rest Cora of his career. Been. He will. And just like Bill Belichick will carry that with him and everything else, Cora's got the reputation. But these pitchers don't have the reputation. Like, But he's their manager. It's, it, it, Martin Perez had to go, who's been, again, a fringe fourth or fifth starter his whole career, and had to go yesterday and say that he doesn't use stuff to gain an advantage. Now, I know that some of these guys are going to say it. Not all the players have said it, but, you know, I just when I, when I go and I watch a little Zoom thing and I see Martin Perez and just how, like, animated he is about it and just, to me, I believe him. I, and, I, and I don't know the dude from a hole in a wall. I've never talked to him or anything like that. But I just, reading the quote versus seeing it, you know, the words come out of his mouth, I, just, I believed him. You know, again, I don't know if I can fully believe the Alex Cora piece, but I'm going to take the benefit of the doubt from him because, again, I like to try to think that he's not going to go and do something to put himself or the team in that position again. To say, though, the Red Sox are the only team that's reverted backwards, I didn't go and look all this up, but I'm willing to bet that there's some other people within the league I mean, Matt, you could probably speak to it a little bit better because you're really into it, the fantasy piece and, the, you know, what pitchers and the, the spikes and all that other stuff. But I'm sure that there are some pitchers who have also reverted backwards that are not wearing a Red Sox uniform. I'm talking about it in terms of hitting the 60-game mark, going beyond what they played last year. Not, not simply stop I, I, using the Bullfrog. 
I think if they're going to use the 60 game mark and saying that players are fatigued and stuff like that, then throw guys in the IL. Shane Bieber just went on the IL with a with a you know a shoulder piece. Is he really going on the IL because of the shoulder, or they put him on the IL because they want to save him for the rest of the year, or was Shane Bieber throwing some stuff in his hand and we need they need to get him out of the equation? Like I, I just think that this this thing can spiral into one of those things right now. I think that if anything goes on with a starting pitcher, with the exception of a true legitimate injury you can see with their eyes, we're going to, I think it's fair game for us to go and, and say this for every single team and every single player. And I know it sucks, too, because of the fact, and you just said it, because of the manager, it's going to be easy for us to go and quickly jump to that conclusion. All I'm saying is that I would prefer to really wait to see what actually comes out in regards to the Red Sox. If something comes out and they say that the Boston Red Sox did this, I can promise you right now that the content that will come out on the website will be just as aggressive as we were when Alex Cora was about to get fired. Because I thought from our end, like, you know, I think all three of us wrote a handful of stuff back when Cora was on the verge of being let go and then let go. I thought that we were pretty critical when I think for the most part, you know, I think we were fair and balanced when it comes to the Sox team. We do our when we talk about the Red Sox. I don't think that we're three homers going and pumping the tires, you know, whatever for this team. I don't think we do that. But I thought we were pretty critical. I think that if it ends up turning out that the Red Sox are doing something, we will be critical. And I will be critical, and I will go ahead and, and, you know, stop my defending of the team and say, hey, look, this is what it is. Say it for what it is, and then maybe do an opinion piece on it from there. But right now, I just – I'm not going to go there because I just don't think it's time to go there. And – it sucks, too, because, like, I always like to look at both sides of the spectrum. I do that with a lot of stuff in life. I like to look at both sides and not try to be so narrow-minded and, and look at things globally. I'm having a tough time with this one right now, be- maybe because I don't want to hear that they're going to end up being the, the end result, that they end up doing something, too. Maybe I don't want to have to hear it because I've heard so much of it from the Patriots. You don't want it to be true, and boom, the Pats have done something, and then – you know, could something happening out the socks? Maybe I just don't want to hear it. I, I, I'm not sure. You know, you mentioned Martin Perez and, and the interview he did after the game where he said that he's not using the stuff. And he did sound sincere. I saw the interview as well. He did sound sincere. But you know what immediately came to mind? During the steroid era, Rafael Palmero te- uh, testifying in front of Congress, pointing his finger and saying, I have never used steroids, period. He sounded sincere, too. And what do we find out later on? He had tested positive and got suspended. So you can only take it at face value. We have no idea what's going on with these guys. Yeah, we don't want to believe that they're doing it. But at the same time, I'm not going to give him the benefit of the doubt just because he's wearing a Red Sox uniform. I don't want it to be true. But I can't just say, oh, he denied it. He's not doing it. I, I just can't go to that step. I've seen this blow up too many times. So I'm going to, if you guys will let me, I'm going to go Please ahead do. and put on, I'm going to put my, my glasses on. I'm going to put my suspenders on and I'm going to go ahead and nerd out on you for a little bit. All right. I'm so ready. I'm also going to put this on a T because I need to be very careful. The question at hand is, you know, there's two questions. And sometimes I think the answer can be substituted for either question. So I want to be very careful here and very clear. Do I think the Red Sox used illegal substances uh, to improve their performance. Um, looking at the data, and I dove into the data big time, big, big time. Looking at it, there is nothing in the spin rates, in the miles per hour, that 
is definitive enough for me to conclude that I could say with any bit of certainty that yes, they do or no, they don't. But after looking at the data, I can say pretty definitively that this recent string of games that have been bad are not because of some change in their use of sticky substances. I'm pretty definitively, I, I think I'm pretty, pretty positive that is not the case. Because you, when you look at their spin rates, they fluctuate, yes, but there is not a dramatic increase or decrease. One thing I will point out, though, that was interesting, the week of May 24th, so that entire week, there are a couple consistencies in spin rates that would suggest that the curveballs of Richards and Pavetta dipped in those starts. Um, does it? Does that mean anything? Not necessarily, because Pavetta in that stretch gave up four home, four home runs. Uh, I mean, four home runs, four earned runs the same day it dipped to the same day it was at its peak a week earlier and a week after. Uh, and more on that, all of the spin rates that decreased over that week have gone back up to their season levels. So they there are no clear ups and downs within their spin rates that would lead me to suggest that they've used a spider tack like substance and they are no longer using it uh if in my personal opinion having watched baseball all my life played it and just kind of having a similar understanding of the game and also looking into some underlying metrics uh some predictive data and batted ball data from these pitchers it looks like they are going through a rough negative regression they were completely outplaying themselves over the first stretch of the month, and right now they're getting the elastic band, so to speak, coming back in the other direction. They are all hitting a a, a very realistic uh, and very probably predictive um, negative regression. Uh, these guys are all been career, you know, let's put them on a you know a, a school type grading system. They're all C plus to B plus type pitchers. Uh, but they were all kind of performing in the A level. Well, if their career level is a B, B minus, and they were pitching at an A, to get you back to that B, B minus, you got to pitch like a D. And right now they're all kind of hitting that slump. So I have no, I don't know, I don't have anything other than say that it's just a terrible stretch for them. Um, but I will say as a fan, I find it, you know, I'm happy that they're only three games out of the East with them playing so negatively and the Rays playing so positively. You know, when you actually look at it, the Rays are seven and three in their last 10, Red Sox are six and four. So they're even keeping pace in terms of their 10 game sample size with the Rays. So they're going to go through this. They'll probably settle somewhere in the middle. Um, but I do think it brings a bigger point up in terms of just baseball within the Red Sox is uh, Heim Bloom has to look at this and realize that what he was seeing, and I'm sure he does, he's a smart guy and he uses all types of predictive models, I'm sure. Uh, so when he was watching this in April, I'm sure he knew it was going to come back down to earth. But having seen it, I think he has to now realize he has to get some more pitching uh, for this team because, you know, the stories of Pavetta and stuff, yeah, they're all decent depth guys. It doesn't seem like they really have uh, the sturdy rotation that maybe we were a little bit duped into believing. But, yeah, after diving into the numbers, I don't think this has anything to do with any type of crackdown uh, with what they're using on their hands. Can we go back on those numbers a little bit? You said that those outings that you looked at from Pavetta and Richards were May 24th. Did the week correctly? of May 24th, yes. And But this alleged alleged look by Major League Baseball where they've started you know, having, having people go to games and they're, they're confiscating balls and things like that to do some tests on it. That only started about 
the first week of June. That is that was the cutoff when I was looking at the numbers is May to June because I noticed it. But you know the week of that the twenty fourth leads into Labor Day or not Labor Day um, Memorial Day. Which one's whichever one we Memorial talked about? Day. I'm sorry, yeah, Memorial please, Day. Let's right. not get to Labor Day yet. Yeah, no, of course not. No, but yeah, it, so that was just something I noticed. But you know, uh, if, if that's the case, in the, the crackdown or the memo or the whispers that went through clubhouses came after that point, then the, the numbers are even more against them using some sort of illegal substance because their spin rates increased since that week. So I don't know. Maybe we look back on the weather. It was wet. I'm not exactly sure. Uh, what the cause is, I didn't look that deeply, but I did notice a little bit of a consistent spin rate drop in some pitches, not all pitches, and definitely not all starters. If you look at Erod's spin stuff, it's only gotten better. Like his Erod's pitch data and his metrics are so against him even being this bad. I don't know what's happening. So he's such an anomaly in and of himself, according to the data. But in terms of just spin rates, if that's the the only categorization that we're really going off of to to, to bag these guys. I don't think that has anything to do with why they've sucked lately. But you don't have numbers from from the first week of June on. You only have no. Numbers. You do have no. You no. We oh, do you have do. numbers. Right. And the spin so, rates have okay. gone back up to their previous to that week levels. Even over the past two weeks. Oh yeah. For for just the Red Sox starters, we're talking. Yeah, the, yeah. Uh, the one of the highest spin rates that that Perez has had on his cutter would came uh, June third. And it's only gone down uh, 50 points or so throughout. And now, from what I've heard and what I've relied on, and I've I've done I've mentioned his name at the top of the show. Eno Saris is kind of like the guy I've relied on. He's done a lot of research in this matter. He said like a, a noticeable tick is 75, 100 RPM is enough. It's a it's at least one standard deviation from the norm to raise a flag. So when you see 200, 300, 400, those are those should be like nuclear warnings going off. If you're looking at those pitchers now, the Red Sox, like, the, do they have a couple that fall within that standard deviation? Yes, but it's not enough to realize, like, it, 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 it gone, it went back up or it goes back. It fluctuates, of course, but every ball is different. Uh, but like I said, the, the numbers here do not reflect any type of massive drop, like they've reflected off of a guy like Corbin Burns or a guy we mentioned plenty of times, Garrett Cole or Trevor Bauer or Shane Bieber. You know, all these guys have seen very noticeable drops in some of their pitches in terms of spin rate. All right. Thank you for that nerd update, Matt. We, we should get a sponsor for that. Quick, give me a dodgeball. <laughs> <laughs> Maddie Data DeRosia. There it is. This is the next one. This is, I, if I don't have enough nicknames, I've given myself at least one that I didn't give myself. All right, Chris, do you have any more thoughts on the spin rate or, or any of these issues we've been talking about? I've got to tell you, my head's spinning from spin rate right now. Um, Look, I like I just like I said, I it it sucks because like baseball just got out of trash can nonsense with the Astros and Apple Watch Gate and everything else, you know. And you thought maybe like they're starting to turn the curve, and now it's you know we're jumping into this again. I just really hope that you know it it's not said or noted that the Red Sox were one of the top teams that's gone through and, and was one of the teams that is the outlier for it. I think would have been something in hindsight being what it is, you know, maybe having someone who's pitched in the in the league that could like talk about this in the show would have been cool. You know what I mean? And kind of give us a perspective of, 
you know, what happens when you, if you use this or whatever it is, just to kind of get like a picture side of it. Cause we can look at numbers and, and data, but be able to get someone who's kind of been in it or even the college pitcher to someone who might've been exposed to this, you know what I mean? Would be cool to kind of get an idea of, you know, what's what, but hopefully at the end of the day, the Red Sox can kind of move past this. And I, like I said, of all these is throwing a gem tonight, you know, we're recording on Monday night, like Matt said at the beginning Valdi, as of right now, is giving up one hit in six innings of work. So, you know, are people going to go and say, well, it's because he had, you know, schmutz in his hand, and that's what caused it. Who knows? But, no, he's he's saving the conversation right now with, with the outing that he's having tonight. That's for sure. Because mm-hmm. listening to Sports Talk Radio today, they were just getting eviscerated, the entire staff. Yeah, I, I just – and I, I, I can only do a little bit of it today. Because it was just it was pissing me off to hear it because it's just like and again I understand you have to do things and and sometimes I'm sure those guys talk about things that they don't necessarily believe but you need the ears to listen to the show but you know yeah get the fan base riled up get the callers in that's, get that's, what, that's what they're doing they're not and looking also at it analytically like, like we are no and guys like Felger Maz that's literally their shtick that's how they became who they are is just riling up fan bases. To hear 10 minutes of the baseball show on on 98.5, I like that. I like listening to that. I think that Maserati does a really good job and he, you know, someone who is connected to the game. Like I think that he, 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 he brings a good side of it. And he, I think he invokes thought for at least me when I'm listening, I'm sure he does for a lot of people, but to really almost kind of like go with it. and, And as if it's like, gospel that that's actually what happened it's i think it's just it's poor on your part and then on top of it you know i like murray but i don't see he brings no value to that show i don't look at him as a baseball guy he's there because he can provide a comedic shtick like i would prefer to have someone else who's going to have a conversation and they're going to talk about this be educated on the topic and be able to go and kind of and bring some legitimate you know thought on the other end of it versus just mass throwing out there well they're doing this this and this and then you know big jim murray doing whatever he's talking about like it was embarrassing to listen to i only got through 10 minutes of it because i couldn't do any more of it you know i'm a huge felgen mass fan so i'm not gonna like really talk poorly well, on them. i know I, I, I know we all I, I are you know we listen all the time we're boston sports fans and they have the most popular boston sports show right now so we everyone listens and i'm a fan thing is though you know straight up if they and I bet you they would admit this with off air. They have become so wildly out of touch with the game of baseball, the players in the sport, and just the general vibe of the game. And it's because they've become a Patriots talk show that sprinkle in hockey and basketball and sometimes baseball. And what Tony Mass has done so fat like so fantastically on his personal show at six o'clock is he brings on baseball people who are in touch with the game and he asked them good questions because he's at the end of the day, he's a, you know, potentially Boston hall of fame journalist. He knows what he's doing and he knows the game and he has great connections like you mentioned, but in terms of the actual game itself, they are so out of touch with baseball that it gets to, like you said, I can't listen to their entire segments on baseball because I usually don't believe it's rooted in any type of realities in which I'm watching. Sorry, Phil Grimaz. We don't need to dump on you, but no, they're great. They do a fantastic job at their show. I, w- I would, I would love it, you know, if if we could get on radio one day and just rant and rave like they do. And they do a great job of it. But to, be- I, they are not my forefront experts in baseball. They're not even. They wouldn't even be my top fifty 
in people that I rely on in terms of baseball knowledge and baseball news and being in touch with the game. So, you know, they, they're going to have their takes. They're going to route the fan base, which is great. That's fine. That's totally fair game. But I'm also not going to believe what they're saying as as any type of seam head type baseball truths. No, they're meant to entertain. They're not educated. Yeah, and they do a great job. You know, it is what it is. No, you are right. You know, all this talk about putting things on balls, you know, you know what it makes me think of? Manscaped. Oh! Time for a plug. If you're going to put anything on balls, I say it's the Lawnmower 4.0. Have you guys checked this out? I indeed check uh, it out. I used have used this thing multiple times since they sent us one. They sent me one, so shout out you, Manscaped, by the way. Still waiting for my underwear to come in. I'm Wait. actually wearing mine as we speak. And nothing else. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> this is the X rated ad read. <laughs> well, we'll go R. We'll go R. R. <laughs> we'll stay in the movie theaters. So if, if you are thinking of putting something on your balls, I would highly recommend the Lawnmower 4.0. It is a high-quality men's grooming product, and it's definitely something that you are going to want to check out if you want to do some manscaping in your future. And, you know, we can help you with that if you go on their website and you use the code BSS. You get – guess what you get, guys? Any idea? Well, 5% off? No, no, not even close. Guess again. Like 10%? No, no. You're out of guesses. Chris, we're up to you. Uh, You know what? I think you might get 20% off. You are correct, sir. But that is not all. You also get free Wait. shipping. So you're telling me they're giving us a better percentage than 10% and something else? I am telling you that, and I am not lying to you. It's an absolute truth. you right out of town. I will not lie to you. You can trust me. I am not a major league pitcher. You can trust me. <laughs> I would not lie to you. Fair point. You can get 20% off your entire purchase and free shipping if you use the code BSS at checkout. And not just once. You can get it every time you purchase something on their website. I don't know how you could ask for a better deal than that. And with Father's Day coming up this weekend, what better gift to give your dad? dad You're welcome. The gift of nicely shorn men parts. And some great underwear. Travel bag. What else? What else do they have? What else, they got a, what else could you want? Let me tell you, if you're looking for something, I got in the free pack giveaway, was the Crop Reviver Refreshing Ball Toner. Is that something that can increase your spin rate? It's going to increase something. <laughs> our grooming must uh, mustaves are designed to help you unleash your individuality. So, Ooh, that sounds little, uh, unleash little your individuality. There. Little spritz on the old, uh, on the old uh, ball bag, and you'll be good to go for whatever you need to do. I'm gonna have to go back in and just put a disclaimer on this that if any children are listening in your car as you're driving them to school, please turn the <laughs> please turn the recording <laughs> off now, and after you drop them off, start listening again. What's a ball bag? <laughs> That's what you carry your balls in. <laughs> all right does that classify us off the rails enough that's off the rails that's all a right. great off the rails all right that was some fun after, after some serious talk we needed to have a little bit of fun of course all right gentlemen before we wrap things up any final thoughts on well not final thoughts but just on the red sox 
recent skid in general. Uh, other than that lovely three-game series they had in New York sweeping the Yankees, who is just – if there's a team that could be, that could be more in disarray, I, I don't want to imagine one. But any any additional thoughts that you guys have that uh, you want to talk about with uh, the Red Sox uh, fortunes over the last couple of weeks? I do think it was eye-opening to see them, you know, in comparison to some of the their major competition um, in the league. Now, as it kind of all shakes out. We said they were going on a tough stretch. We said that a couple right. of weeks ago, and that Absolutely. was going to be a huge for this team. Right, and, you know, they can may, they may get out of this, uh, you know, Blue Jays series 2-2. They very may well do that. Uh, but I, if you watch the games, you know, they got their rear ends kicked over the weekend, and they might squeak out too. So there is a difference there. But, you know, they're holding their own. They're treading water. They're going against tough teams. And, you know, they're they're seemingly got to get better, I think, though, if they want to, you know, compete with Houston in the playoffs. And uh, a team like the Blue Jays, I think they are what they are because they're pitching so mediocre. So, uh, I think that the, the Red Sox have done a good enough job uh, keeping themselves with the class of the league, and you know fans shouldn't be discouraged by the stretch enough to think that the season's over or anything crazy like that. No, I, I don't. Yeah, I agree. The season's not over. You know, this is this is a stretch of games that has been ugly, at least from a starting pitching standpoint. And you know, I'm happy that tonight that Avaldi is is pitching, you know, really well, and because he's been a little you know, unlike himself so far this year where he's kind of gone through a little bit of a rough patch. So um, the team needs it. With that, though, I do think, and I, you know, Matty, you alluded to it during the, the data piece that they're going to need to look at addressing the pitching staff and they're going to have to look to, you know, at least try to, you know, find some other arms to come in here. And I don't necessarily, I think a, a bullpen arm is probably a must, but they're probably going to have to go and get more starting pitching depth. And a couple of articles that were out there, one was um, on NBC Boston, was about, you know, like five starters that the Sox could go after. I can tell you that one of the guys was in there that I have zero, zero interest in, and is Michael Pineda. Um, not for the whole sticky substance part of it. I just, I just think that that dude's arm is a ticking time bomb, and I think he was already uh, had some form issues in, over his, in his last start. But... Um, I like the idea of possibly like a Kyle Gibson because he was listed as, as being, you know, a potential target. He's having a good year with Texas. Um, you know, I don't think they need to go and make like a major splash, but if they do and they want to take the major splash, I think we go and rewind back to a couple of podcasts ago. And when, you know, Matt had mentioned that Matt, uh, Max Scherzer is and could be and should be a target for Boston. Yeah, and they have gotten better. Do you think that Bloom's going to want to give up the prospects to get a Scherzer when they, this team has other needs besides pitching? Well, they, they so they need, I do think they need a, a, a leadoff hitter is this team it desperately needs. Now, could Christian Arroyo eventually be that guy to be the leadoff hitter for this team? Maybe. Um, but you, you can't continue to roll out a leadoff hitter and Kike Hernandez hitting 230. You know, you're not setting the tone with that. So I think that that's very much on the table where that comes from. I don't know. Like, does that, do they go out and get an outfielder who can do that? Um, Outfield is another need that they have, you know, is, is that, you know, penciled in at some point for Jaron Duran, who's struggled since coming back with, from team USA, he hit a home run the other night, but he scuffled a little bit, which is going to happen. So not doom and gloom there, but that that's going to happen. 
you know, do the Red Sox go to look at first base? Do they need to upgrade there? Because Dahlback struggling. He's still hitting around 200. You know, the, the power is starting to come around, but the hits and the homers are not coming in bunches with this kid. So is that something else? But you're not going to find a leadoff hitter for first base. So I do think that a leadoff hitter is something that they need. I don't necessarily think that Bloom will be afraid to trade some of the pieces because not every one of those guys are going to be able to play. And they have some depth in some places. For example, they got depth, you know, on the corner. You know, you get Dahlback at, at the major league level. You got you got uh, Tristan Costas, who's demolishing everything he sees down in Double A. They have Hudson Potts, who they got from San Diego in the deal for Mitch Moreland. He just went up to Double A. Is he someone that is going to figure into the plans for the future for this for the for the big league club? Maybe not. You know, could he be part of a deal that goes and gets you an arm from somewhere? Another name that was in the article that I thought was intriguing was Michael Fulmer uh, from the Tigers. You know, so I think that there's going to be people that's out there. There's going to be options. I just I don't think that they should shy away from that giving up prospects. And I'm going to go back to what I said on the last podcast when we, that we did because of the fact that they have that t- that premium pick in the draft and they're going to have that fourth overall pick through the first 20 rounds that they're going to get the ability to replenish throughout that draft, that they could potentially dip into some of the prospects that they have to go get something. But I think it's going to be someone that they're going to have control over. I don't see, like, the Jeter Downses of the world, the Jaron Durans, or I don't see those guys going in a trade. I think it's that next tier down that could potentially go that could bring them in something for this year. And I think Bloom might have had a feeling that if this team was competitive, that's why he's starting to collect these pieces that he might need to go and trade them. And I think those lower pieces will get you a depth piece for your rotation, but it's not going to get you a guy like Scherzer. It might. He's a free agent at the end of the year and has a full no trade clause. So if he kind of pushes his way in a certain direction, you could get him for like a Tanner Hauk, Bobby Dahlbach type of package. But how can you? How exactly? Hauk so I don't know if goods. that's going to work. Uh, for a guy of a big, I don't see. Yeah, I, I, yeah, it could be present some issues going after the upper echelon uh, targets. You know, there's going to be some reliever that's made available that some team pays a lot for. Happens every year, so I don't see the Red Sox getting that crazy. But I do think they can make some deals. And I can't really add much to what you said, Chris, because I kind of agree with it all. But I'd like to talk a little bit about the draft. I don't know how many times I, I was going to go sit there. down was, with you before there. Yeah, I was going to go there. If you can just indulge me one more minute to talk about the needs on this team. And I'm, I'm looking squarely at first base. You've got Dahlbeck yes. hitting around 200. You've got Marwin Gonzalez hitting around 200. You've got Danny Santana, who has gone in the tank after his <laughs> initial yeah, hot start. Two home runs that got the world excited, including myself. I'm raising my hand. I got excited. And Danny Santana is looking like someone who got a contract late in into spring for a reason. So how much yeah. longer can they ride these guys? Gonzalez is, is a nice utility piece to move around, you know, to spell guys, give them a day off. Yep. Be your everyday first baseman? No, he's not that guy. Dahlbeck's looking like he'll, sh- he'll show flashes. He hit a bomb uh, over the weekend. He, uh, he stroked another one uh, off the wall. But just too many strikeouts in between those and, and rally killers. Uh, I don't know how much longer you can let this guy figure it out at the major league level before you have to send him down. What are your other options at first base? 
do you bring up Manassas and, and rush him no, to the major yeah. league level and, and run the risk of spoiling him? Is he too young for that? Well, no, yeah. you know, uh, you're going to have to go out and make a deal to get that first baseman. Do you move Devers over there and bring Chavis up to play third? What, what are what are our options here? I think, I think they're going to have to go out and get something, but yeah. I think th- I think there are good cheap options that will present themselves, you know, very shortly. I think. So, two things: one, Bobby Dahlbeck has the best hair in Boston. I say it every single time. I best hair. Now, take that away because his hair isn't doing anything to increase the batting average. Is it too like outside the box and crazy to say that? Should the Sox have really taken a look at Albert Pujols? Because um, <laughs> not for nothing, but Dahlbeck and his hair can't hit. And it seems like every time that I see something about Albert Pujols, he's, you know, hitting another monster home run for the Dodgers. Like, no, let me jump in right in and say he absolutely is not an option. He's actually he, – I don't, I don't even think he's batting 100 against righties. All of his productions come against lefties, which is basically exactly what Dahlbeck's doing. Wanted to invoke a little conversation there, but no, um, I, I do agree. I guys, I think that first base is going to have to be something that they're going to address, and I don't necessarily think it needs to be like a huge bopper. Like, could it be like that Steve Pierce type that you know Dombrowski got? You know, the year they went and uh, won the World Series. Like, is that player available? You know, is that guy out there that they can go and acquire? And you know, I'm just, yeah, you know, I don't have anything directly in front of me right now. And I'm trying to like think off the top of my head who that could be but i got a couple names i'll throw out there and see what you guys go. think so i got three names i'll throw them out to you i think they'll all be available for various prices nothing that will break the bank and you guys let me know if you could be on board what you think of it the first guy jesus aguilar from the marlins he's he's on contract for four million dollars he's having a good year for them they're not going anywhere um he's not going to be part of the next great marlins team by any stretch but the guy's having a great year, and the, the numbers look really good for him. He's uh, hitting home runs. He's got 12 home runs. He's got uh, over 60 runs in RBIs on the year combined. So I think he's having a good year. What do you think of him? I'm not opposed. It's a you know right-handed power bat. It's um, you know someone that you could probably slot in the middle, not like middle, like three, four, but the five, six spot on the in the batting order, so I'm not opposed to him whatsoever. Another name that I think will come very, very cheaply, he's a veteran, he's been in the league a long time, is is Drubal Cabrera from the Arizona Dynamics. He just came back from injury. He's been 264 in the air. He's only got four home runs, but he missed a chunk of time. But he looks like to be doing, you know, he's been a part of a World Series champion uh, whether he's with Washington. He's He's got a little bit of the intangibles that you're looking for. He's a switch hitter, and he's expecting. Yep, and he's the exact opposite of the inconsistent, all-or-nothing type of first baseman that they have at their, you know, whole at their behest now. So, you know, he's a good walk guy, doesn't strike out a lot, doesn't swing and miss a whole lot. That's another name I think you could see them going after. Not the power that you want in the first base position, though. Not the power, no. You're not going to get the, that crazy power. But I don't know if that's going to be necessarily available. And I don't think that's necessarily what they need right now. Cassis is their first baseman, potentially as early as next year. If you know, if you buy into the hype that he got when he was playing for the Team USA, uh, you know the hype he's got in the minor leagues. He's been on fire. You know, a lot of people, even in the the prospect circle around baseball, are starting to say that this kid may creep up, you know, as high as top ten 
by the end of the year if this if he keeps it up. So you know he's getting dinged essentially because he's a first baseman, which is ridiculous, but it doesn't matter. Uh, so I think that's their long term guy. The last name that I like, and he's actually having the worst season, and I think he might be the worst fit, and I think he might be the hardest to get. So maybe it's a pipe dream. But what if you could swing a deal where you get Max Scherzer and Josh Bell? From the Nationals, a guy like Bell, he's another switch hitter. Uh, he broke out a couple years ago. Uh, he really just hasn't had the same productivity as he had a few years. But he's come back from COVID still, so we don't exactly know when he'll be at full strength. But I like his profile, like him in the past. Uh, those are three guys that just kind of pop into my head. That's an interesting. I, that's an interesting yeah. take. Yeah. I like Josh Bell. I would think that if the Nationals are going to trade him. Hopefully they can get back more than what they gave up that the Pirates ended up getting on their end. Um, yeah, they didn't give up anything for him. That's why I kind of think he could be available. Um, yeah, he's having a, a major down year, you know. But yeah, he is. Is he is he a switch hitter or is he a lefty? Switch hitter. Switch hitter. Okay. Um, yeah, I mean he'll play a solid first base. Um, not the long term solution. The the long term solutions mashing the ball down in the minors. If you could swing a deal, I think. I think though, if you're gonna, you know, if you're Washington, you're gonna trade both the Bell and Scherzer. I think you're probably gonna, you're gonna probably net something pretty substantial back though for those two players. Yeah, for sure. But I mean, the the, the Sox have good 19, 20 year olds that they could, you know, potentially put together with a Dahlbach, with a Chavis, with a, you know, someone who's sniffed the big leagues like a Hauk. That's where things could get interesting. I don't know if that's the route the Nationals or the Red Sox will go, but it's just fun to kind of talk about. And it's definitely realistic, you know, when you read the tea leaves and kind of see what's starting to form in terms of buyers and sellers, you know, as this deadline gets closer and closer. You know, I think the uh, one of the other questions, too, is what is Chavis's value? You know, I, I think personally he's going to be one of the guys that's going to go in a deal when they bring something back, but you know, is his value, you know, is he something that, gonna, is he going to net something back of some substance? The fact that he, you know, and I think we talked about it on a podcast before, like, he doesn't really have a position. He's kind of, you know, a, a, is, he a, is he a fringe 4A to a big leaguer, you know, or is he someone that's going to be a Brock Holt? Like, what is he going to be? What is he going to bring back? There's no question his, you know, his stalker in the league is probably at an all-time low. Um, I really only kind of potentially see it going two ways in terms of a trade where they give up Chavis, and that's if they get another kind of change the scenery guy who's struggling for another franchise that they think they could tinker with and get something out of, or, you know, a 36-year-old reliever who's having a good season that's on a one-year deal. That's kind of the two avenues I can see them going. But both of those could be potentially – you know, rewarding for the Sox in the year they're having. Here's the name of a guy who's tearing it up at AAA right now. Maybe they, you can get something for him. Franchi Cordero. Oh, my God. Who is this guy? He, he certainly found Mo whatever Vaughn he was, was missing the down there, didn't he? Oh, there isn't a batter's eye he hasn't hit the ball over, it seems like. I, I don't know if they found that ball that he crushed in Syracuse. Like... That thing, what he's doing down in the minors, and he's just completely destroying minor league pitching, which is great. Build the kid's confidence. Love to see if he can do that at the major league level. Because if he can do what he's doing in the minors, the major league level, high bloom, that dude. 
would have hit, you know, another home run, no pun intended. If he can but, do half of what he's doing at the minor league level, at the major league level, yeah, they'll have something. How much longer <laughs> do you think they'll let him ride it out down in AAA before they bring him back up, especially with Santana struggling the way he is? I think it'll be a little bit longer. I think it'll be at least past the all-star break. Unless injuries. Injuries change everything, obviously. Yeah, I think I think you're right. I think it's going to be an injury piece that if he was to come up, I I think really ultimately it's what is what is the trade what what is potentially the trade deadline going to bring? And I don't necessarily think they need to wait till the 31st of July to do that. It's you know what what exactly is this team going to try to bring in? And I think it's not going to probably be too far fetched to see a team like Boston, who's now what three and change out of first place, try to be a little more aggressive. Maybe they try to go and set the market a little bit versus seeing what someone else will do. Um, I wouldn't, I wouldn't go and, and bring up uh, Cordero just yet. I think you continue to let him do his thing down in the minors. He's getting consistent at bats. If you bring him back up, I mean, really, where's he going to play? I mean, Hunter Renfro is really worked his way into being almost an everyday player. You Verdugo is there. I mean, Kike is still a better option. So, is it one of those where Kike goes and maybe plays a little bit of first? I don't know. Like, is that an option for him? And then you, you have Cordero play in the outfield, and then Verdugo slides over to center, and then Dahlbach sits. I mean, it just – I just don't know how much longer Dahlbach has when we talked about that. So, I don't know. I don't, I'm not ready to bring uh, Cordero up just yet. And by the way, the guy forever linked with Cordero now, Andrew Benatendi. Put on the 10-day IL today with a rib injury. Sounds like something that will probably linger more than 10 days. Baseball players have a hard time recovering from those rib injuries. Well, here's the thing. So I, I, I didn't know that. I have him in fantasy baseball, and I hope that I am not locked yet. Oh, we're lucky. Thank you, Bill, for that information. Nope, I'm locked and screwed. Never mind. <laughs> Sorry about that. You, you're usually ahead of me on these things by a mile. I usually am. The problem is, so, like, we, we have a visit at work that's coming on Wednesday. So I've been, like, I didn't have a lot of time. Like, even the article that came out for us today, like, I woke up early and I, I'm usually, usually pretty quick on that stuff. Shame on me. Damn work gets in the way of everything. Yeah, I need to retire. That sounds that sounds good. I could go for that myself. All right, so let's get to that fourth pick in the draft, Matt. Sorry, I cut you off before. No, uh, no there worries. Some, there was some interesting news that dropped earlier today that uh, I know got both of you guys excited, talking about streaking through the quad again. So why don't, oh. why don't, you, uh, why don't you fill us in a little bit more on what you heard? So uh, a Fangraphs mock draft uh, that was put together by Eric Longenhagen and Kevin Goldstein – uh, they went and did a quick mock draft, and the thing about baseball that's so interesting in terms of predicting draft picks that's different from every other sport is that there are always rumblings of players kind of bullying the draft order. It happens in really, it rarely happens in other sports, but they can do it with money in baseball, and they've done it over the years. And it, the mock draft that came out today had three shortstops going one, two, and three, all. Uh, you know, two of the shortstops have been hyped the entire year. They have incredibly high ceilings. It makes perfect sense for them to go one-two. The third, um, Brady House 
from uh, Georgia. Uh, what's interesting about that is they mentioned that the entire front office, including GM Al, Al, Al uh, their GM Al Avila, went to go watch uh, him play. So if he goes three, that leaves both. Vanderbilt aces available at four. And this is what they wrote. And this is why I was very excited and why streaking is very much in play for Chris and I. So Kevin Goldstein said, word is Leiter is trying to price himself down to Boston and wants to land there. Word is that Boston would love that as well. Thus a match made in heaven. The other guy? I'm going to need that ball reviver, that ball toner. <laughs> <laughs> the, the other gentleman that was writing uh, this piece with him, his reply, yup, that's it. And you're talking about each of them giving a paragraph on every single draft pick throughout the entire first round. And for his analysis of Jack Leiter pushing his way to go to Boston was yup, which tells me it's a loud rumor that it's being consistently told by different people for him to not give zero analysis. It seems like there is something a brewing. And if Jack Leonard falls to four and the Sox take him, you're talking about an arm in that system that's valuable right away, potentially. Who knows? And you hear that? I, I'm, I, I, I've been on record saying I am rocker over Leonard, and I still am. But I'm still very much a lighter guy. So if they take lighter, I am, I am going to be streaking with Chris uh, through the quad. You guys hear that? That sounds that's, like a lawnmower. That, that's the sound of a 4.0 <laughs> furring in the background, just waiting for Jack Lighter to land in the laps of Hein Bloom and the Boston Red Sox. That would be amazing. I, I just either or, like honestly, Kumar or him, whoever. But Jack Leiter has been the guy that I've wanted them to land in this draft because I've already kind of put it in my head that Kumar is probably going to go first. But either way, like the fact that they could land one of those two arms and pitching is is such a commodity that it is. And these these two kids could potentially be top of the rotation or or at least substantial pieces for the future. Like unbelievable. And, and just a few more things on Bloom, the Sox, the draft, the whole nine. You know, Kumar, I think, is a phenomenal pitching prospect. But Leiter has the stuff that could play out of the bullpen right away. You know, something similar to a Garrett Crochet uh, out of Tennessee that now pitches for the Chicago White Sox. You know, not necessarily a starter right out the gate. But if he gives you effective innings in a game, it could be so valuable to them. Uh, and a thing about Bloom, he showed his draft savvy last year. The way he grabbed a guy like York to get a guy like Blaze Jordan in the third round. I know Blaze Jordan is a, you know, a kind of like a pipe dream. It's a project, but his upside was a one of one in this draft in terms of his power. Uh, there was nothing close to that power in terms of raw ability. Uh, so you know he saw what he wanted and made it happen. So he is, you know, the fact that they're saying it has something to do with the way that players and organizations can kind of push the draft around. I feel like it's lining up with, you know, kind of that that killer instinct that he showed in last draft. It's starting to get me very excited. So excited, my voice just went up a few octaves. 
So Leiter and Rocker are both still active, are they not, with Vanderbilt in the College World Series? Yeah, they're both going to Omaha. So good uh, good chance to check these guys out if you haven't seen them yet. <laughs> Catch both of them and, and make up your own mind which one you'd rather have because if, if that projection is true and the three shortstops go one, two, three, you're going to have your choice. That's That's an exciting prospect, but one you definitely don't want to get wrong at that point. I no. hope it's not like a Manning Leaf situation. I, I, you know, I was trying to think of, of an analogy like that. Yeah, you hit the nail on the head. The other one I was thinking was uh, who was drafted ahead of Rick Meyer. That was another situation where guys went 1-2. Oh, yeah, that's right. How could I forget that? Yeah, and Meyer's career turned. How did Bledsoe, what did he end up? He didn't do bad. He did all right. He, yeah, he did all right. I think he won a Super Bowl, but I think the Super Bowl. Well, he won an he AFC won. championship game. He didn't win a Super he Bowl. Did. <laughs> he actually won two AFC championship games. He did. Just looking at uh, Lighter and Rocker, uh, Lighter's already thrown 96 innings so far in college this year, and Rocker's thrown 106. Mm-hmm. So they've had a pretty decent workload. I don't know how much, if either one were were to be drafted and and get it to the major league level, I don't know how much either one would you would be able to count on them because they've already had a pretty decent workload in college. All right, yeah, guys. The, the, go ahead, Matt. No, it's funny. It's just the the workload thing. It's it, it, it seems like the the scout world keeps swaying on what they believe. You know, there was a time, you know, three or so years ago where it was they wanted no tread. They wanted you know, completely unused arms that they could use the bullets in their system. Turned out they, they, a lot of volatility, a lot of injury, a lot of uh, negatives came with that approach. And then all, now it's starting to change to you want that that college kid who's pitched a lot because you can get those innings uh, more crisp uh, early in their career. Guys like Trevor Bauer, Garrett Cole, those guys came up a lot quicker. So, you know, we'll see how the tides turn. But these are two of the most exciting prospects we've seen maybe since Steven Strasburg. So if they're both there for the Red Sox to take, I hope that they just don't pass on both because oh where does the opposite of streaking in the quad? I would be so pissed. I'll be so putting pissed. more clothes on and going out in the quad, apparently. That would be the opposite of streaking in the quad. I'll be like Chandler. Could I be wearing any more clothes? <laughs> <laughs> well, we're definitely going to have to do a, uh, a live broadcast that night. No question. Draft. I know we've said it a million times, but we got to make that happen. It's exactly a month away. Isn't it like the 14th or the 13th, the 11th, something like that? You're going you to be able uh, to get away from twin duty that night to join I us think back? so. I think so. I think I'll be able to. All right. It's enough time out that I think we'll be able to establish enough of a routine and kind of work some, some, uh, some of the kinks out of the new routine. All right, guys. I was a little concerned that just talking about the uh, – the pitching stuff that's going on was was not going to be enough for a full podcast, and here we are at about an hour and fifteen minutes. So, any yeah, closing thoughts? Just uh, I'm going to miss you guys when I take my little hiatus, and uh, you know I can't wait to be back. And once again, we wish you and your wife all the best. Thank you, thank you. Chris, closing thoughts. See if you can match that one. Well, I don't have any children in the pipeline, um, so that I don't you I know about that. I <laughs> no, um, no, so I can't keep using that lawnmower 4.0, baby. Um, no, I got nothing to that extent, but um, you know, I, I'm looking forward to this draft. I'm excited for it. We will have some draft content that'll be coming out um, that I am working on. So, I'd like to have that out in a couple of maybe a week or so, I'm not ready to 
throw it out there. Yeah, but um, no, I just need the Red Sox to kind of get, you know, out from this uh, schneid that they're on right now and start to put together some wins again, cut that deficit down in the AL East and, uh, you know, try to catch up to those uh, those Rays who are, like, white hot right now. That team is – it it literally – it's like it does not matter who is subtracted from that roster. They just continue to just perform. It's, it's unbelievable. I, I can't tell you, like, I just respect it so much. Like, it's it's mind-boggling how they do it. Definitely a formula that you hope Heim brought with him when he came up because it's one that they've been able to sustain for a while now. It's not just a matter of they've been getting the low draft picks like when, when the whole thing started and when they started getting good back in the late 2000s. You know, they've been sustaining this for a while now. And I have. you just add the Red Sox payroll being able to go out and get those bigger pieces to add to that kind of talent coming through the system. And that, that could be something that's really fun to watch. I uh I got one more thing. Hit us. One... It pains me to tell you that Josh Taylor in May and June has pitched 13 innings, given up six hits, zero earned runs. He's walked four and 17 strikeouts. Josh Taylor, if you are ever listening, I'm sorry. He was certain, most certainly listening and decided to shove it right in your face. I am incredibly sorry. I take it back. You can come out of the laundry cart. You are no longer going to get pushed into the middle of traffic. That dude has been absolutely lights out in that bullpen. And I'm glad you said that after he was done pitching tonight. <laughs> when he got the big strikeout in the in the sixth and then yeah. retired the side in the seventh. So hopefully he is done for the night. Uh, see, I'm able to go back and say that I was wrong. I was wrong. Nothing wrong with that. Nothing wrong with that. Takes a big man to admit it. Of course, if he goes Kudos. in the tank again, you'll you'll be getting that laundry cart back out and clean. Oh, the and... cart will be the <laughs> while while, uh, while he's pitching well, the cart will be uh, refurbished a little bit. We'll get the wheels squeaky clean. We'll get that all spread away. But yes, if he does suck, we will be off the Josh Taylor bandwagon, and we will be we will advocate for him to be pushed out in traffic right now the card is being used by ryan weber to go back down the pipe oh. to worcester yeah i they need to just take ryan weber that poor dude how about that though like you get called up talk about after. taking one for the team you know i the fact that he gave up 11 earned runs and he just looked like a batting pack the practice pitcher out there yesterday like five and like a third of an inning or something like that five and two thirds like he saved the bullpen and he just, he just like, he just got wrecked. But that, that was. But that's an example of managing, knowing that you've got a game that is out of hand. Don't you know you don't manage to try to get back into that game. That was a good move by Cora. Yeah, it sucked for Weber, but now your bullpen is lined up to try to get the win tonight. Everything is lined up perfectly so far. And that that's the point of Weber taking the beating that he did yesterday and throwing Marwin Gonzalez and Christian Arroyo. Late in the game. Gonzalez looked pretty good. I'd rather see him than Ryan Weber again. Maybe you can find some. Gonzalez is certainly hitting like a pitcher, so you might as well try him at that position. He's played everywhere else. Arroyo, though, he gave a bat meatball. All right, guys. Any any final, final thoughts before we go into the promos that are going to take another half hour? 
No, I think I'm good. We're I think good. we're good. All right. We're pretty, pretty good. All right, so remember, everyone, check out our articles on our website, <laughs> www.bostonsportssyndicate.com. Uh, Chris has been churning out his, his usual 8 or 12 or 13 articles a week, um, and he's been mixing it up, some stuff on the Bruins during their playoff run, and as usual, a lot of good Red Sox stuff. Uh, Patriots are in training camp now, so I wouldn't be surprised if uh, you might see some of those coming out soon, too. Um, also, check us out on Facebook, Boston Sports Syndicate, and on uh, Twitter and Instagram, at Boston Sports Syn, S-Y-N. And don't forget, don't forget Manscaped. Use the code BSS, get 20% off your purchase and free shipping and delivery. And also, with fans back in the stands now, you can once again use the code BSS, to order tickets through SeatGeeks, not just for sporting events, but for concerts that are be starting up again soon, too. So just remember, if you go to SeatGeeks, use the code BSS and get 20% off your first purchase. And we haven't talked about Symbol for a while, either. That's the virtual stock market for uh, your favorite sports teams, where you can go in and buy stocks in your team and see how the stocks do, whether they go up, go down. You know, where are the Bruins stocks right now? Well, there are no Bruins stocks, but where are the Celtics stocks right now with with them getting bounced from the playoffs and firing uh, or not firing, but their GM stepping aside and their coach moving up? Man, are you tracking that? How, how, have their, how have the Sims Celtics done with their stocks? Have you taken a look at it lately? Last I had seen, it was down a bit, but not. it looked like they had yet to really hit the dip that I do think is coming, especially if a head coach that is hired is not fan-friendly. So you, you would say now is not the time to buy? I would wait a little bit longer because I think the drudges of the season will only amplify when there aren't as much sports going on in terms of, uh, you know, socks and then, the, you know, the, 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 the Patriots come as the Bruins just ended. I think that is the time to buy. A little bit, a little bit, wait a little bit. All right. Good advice. So check that out. If you do want to go in and buy stock in any of your favorite NBA, NHL, or uh, I'm sorry, NBA, NFL, or Major League Baseball teams, once again, use the promo code BSS, and I believe there is a 20% kickback on that one for you as well. So we got you covered here at the Syndicate with the code BSS. Try it wherever you buy. It might work other places too. I don't know. What do you got to lose? All right, Matt. Chris, thank you for joining me. Matt, once again, best of luck with everything you got coming up. To everyone at home, thank you for listening to us, and we will catch you later. Peace. Later. Boston Sports Syndicate. Music for the Boston Sports Syndicate provided by IMCDM and Jay Kelly.